2023. Is there anyone who would like to make changes or move the minutes? Second. Second by Rice. Any comments on the minutes? Anyone at public comment here in the chamber? And I'm not seeing anyone online, so we'll bring it back for a vote. All in favor of approving the minutes? Aye. Board of Commissioners matters and Executive Director reports. Board of Commissioners, anything you'd like to report out? Executive Director, good afternoon. Kimberly, your turn. I am. Hi. Okay. Yes, that's right. You um, say something. Yes, I just me. briefly would like to, uh, and I'm going to be brief, make a comment on something that's not on the minutes. I'd like to make a brief comment about 825. I've been listening and listening and listening. And and, and all this, uh, and the reason I'm disturbed is because people seem to point the fingers at the Board of Supervisors for this. And I sit on this board with my colleagues who, uh, as I know it, we actually Of 825, and this is in 2018. Actually, I brought it to the board's attention that the land was for sale. I live in the senior complex that of the seller who sold the land, which was the church. So, what I find mind-boggling is is that some very smart people are supporting the community on this, but they're not getting the facts. You know, and so to me, it's like uh, it's just miscommunication here, and that seems to be the problem. The land was owned by the church, my landlord, and I've lived there for 16 years. I helped work on the original church that was built that burned down. So what I'm saying is, is that the anger or the finger pointing should be pointed at the seller because they didn't take the community in consideration when the land was sold. They didn't have a meeting and say, we're gonna sell this land. Does the community have any ideas? And it makes me angry when people who really have good intentions, but don't have any facts to support to know that the, community, the Housing Authority Board, when Lewis Jordan was here, we approved him, we gave him permission to pursue to buy the land, to build low-income senior housing. And everybody knows that low-income in Marin County, if you're a low-income person and a person of color, your income is low and you're on a fixed income. So the senior housing would have been just fine. But I don't, I don't remember anybody supporting this. We talked about this for years here, right here. Nobody stood up and said, hey, we support you. Buy this land. You know, and until the land was sold, we thought we had a deal. Thought we had a deal with the landlord. They backed out because somebody said, hey, you can get more money. They backed out of the deal. We thought we had this land. They backed out of the deal. So when people stand up here, and I continue to hear it and see this protest, my suggestion would be is go protest in front of the seller's house and not drag my people out there with misinformation that, oh, they're doing something that these people are the cause of it. They didn't own the land. The church owned the land. Oh, and by the way, they were black. That part, nobody's mentioned they were black. And black people, we're supposed to look out for each other, but nobody looked out for that. I watched that land sit there for years when that church burned down. I've been living there 16 years. I'm still living there. And it makes me angry that, you know, we have all these people protesting. It's almost like people, they just come and gather us up and drive us somewhere to protest about something that's going on in our community. We need to make decisions for ourselves and not help people drive the car. Let us drive the car. Get in the wagon with us. This is where I'm at on that. So I'm just saying, if you're going to 
protest something and blame people and point fingers. Do it right. Get all the board members' address and protest in front of their house and ask them why they didn't look out for the community. See, because I've watched in the last four clothes, I'm going to say this. I watched people sell their homes, black people, sell their homes. They don't say, well, I'm going to hold out and sell it to a black person. They sell it for the money. That's always the bottom line. It's about the dollar. It doesn't matter what color you are or who you are. It's about the dollar. So people need to get the facts straight and stop blaming the supervisor for something they had no control over. They did not own the land. So with that, I'm going to yield back to the floor. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, we will move on to the executive director's report. Okay. Th thank you. Good afternoon, commissioners, and thank you, Commissioner Hall. Um, I want to start my director's report today. I'm going to change it up a little bit because I have some folks on Zoom that I want to introduce, and um, I have Ida Green here as well. So I'm going to start with our Golden Gate Village revitalization update. And um, as a reminder, your board established the Resident Empowerment Fund in November of 2022, allocating $2 million to provide needed, needed services and programs to the resident of, residents of Golden Gate Village. The Marin Community Foundation has also contributed another $1 million to this resident empowerment fund, totaling $3 million that will go to services in Golden Gate Village. Um, the fund was created to ensure that Golden Gate Village residents can be involved in defining and deciding how monies will be distributed to support enhanced services to residents, such as wealth creation, workforce and development, family assistance, and health. We believe that residents most affected by funding decisions for the Golden Gate Village Resident Empowerment Fund should be participating in the decision-making process. This is why we have created a committee comprised of six Golden Gate Village residents um, th that we have just recently formed. The grant-making decisions will be made based solely upon the recommendations of this committee the role of the committee members will include reviewing proposals submitted by interested 501c3s, service providers, ensuring the proposals are eligible, evaluating, scoring, and ranking these proposals before making recommendations for services to be offered to Golden Gate Village residents. The committee will be for, uh, provided with training and support throughout the process. And again, I want to reiterate that all the decisions made by the committee will be made by the committee, not by the Housing Authority. And, and I also want to say, um, I, this committee has been, um, I've been working hard over the last few months with um, the County Marine Community Foundation, and then I've, um, Ida Green has really stepped in, and I want Ida to stand up there. I know a lot of you know Ida, but she has been tremendous. She's done this on her t own time as a volunteer and as a, co as a community member to really help support this process and I it's been invaluable help for me so I want to thank you Ida. Oh, yes, it is my pleasure to do so. <laughs> and then now um, if we can have the folks um, on Zoom I um, we, we did an application process and we had we had a number of residents who applied to be on this committee to represent their community and um, it is with much um, appreciation that I have the honor today to introduce to you the Golden Gate Village Resident Empowerment Fund Committee. And again, the, um, we have four of the members who are joining us today from the Golden Gate Village Community Center. And um, the, these folks are really taking a leadership role in their community and are going to be representing 700 residents who live in Golden Gate Village to determine what are the best services to provide. So I'm going to introduce, first start with, Capri Price. Hi. Okay, there they are. <laughs> Hi. Okay, so we have I have Capri Price in the room and Kimberly Robinson. I'm sorry, she wasn't able to make it. Okay. okay. Kahea Adams and um, Neil Hamery. Is that every? Yeah, that's everyone. Okay. And, and additionally, we do have Kimberly Robinson and Elizabeth Troop. So we have six residents who have, are really committed. We've had some great meetings. 
with Marine Community Foundation and looking over the um, a, a, a RFP and um, so it's, it's a really great group. They're very excited to be part of this. I'm excited to be working with them. Their energy is fa fantastic, and I think we're gonna. This is gonna be a great um, event or you know committee, and um, I just also want to say that. Uh, it, their, their role is to take uh, half a million dollars this first year, and we have, a proposal will be going out today. Today or, or by tomorrow morning, we'll be putting out this RFP that will be on the Marin Housing's website platform, the county's website, MCF, and um, that will be going out far and wide to folks who are interested in submitting a proposal. The proposals will be... Um, are due January 5th, and we will be having a um, information session in the community space in um, next week on Wednesday. So all of that will be available and posted by tomorrow. So it's, that's a really exciting group, and I want to thank you all for showing up that could show up in the community space. Thank you. Thank you. Good to, be, good to see you all. Okay, then I want to just, uh, on, on another note with the revitalization update, we had an evaluation committee that had evaluated all the responsive proposals received based on the evaluation criteria. We had four, four proposers that, um, in a competitive range, that were asked to be interviewed by the committee. The interview process um, was seeking additional information related to the RFQ criteria and to aid the selection process with the RFQ goal of recommending a top-ranked um, proposal. The evaluation committee was tasked with recommending a top-ranked proposal based on the evaluation criteria. Per the RFQ, this recommendation was made to, to me as the executive director uh, and um, as as far as the as and per the RFQ, I will forward this recommendation to our Golden Gate Village subcommittee uh, of the Marin Housing Board of Commissioners for discussion. And then the the subcommittee may then forward the recommendation to the full board for approval at our December meeting. So this is a huge milestone in in our in our process of going forward with trying to get a developer partner. And the evaluation committee worked really hard and met for hours and uh, to to and, and interview and interviewed these proposals and they have come up with a high uh, with a top ranking um, firm. So that that is exciting. And Mary Morgan was part of that team and we had seven uh, a team of seven and Capri Price also one of our residents. So that's an exciting news. On, I also wanted to talk about um, with. I have, I'm happy to report that we have reached another significant milestone in our recent efforts to expand our home ownership within our community. On November 2nd of 2023, the Housing Authority uh, received an additional $2.5 million from the state of California um, and to, uh, uh, that was approved by your board. We submitted it in May of 23 to the state. And um, this conditional award is designed to support first-time homeowners with down payment assistance, so there will be over a million dollars of down payment assistance. We haven't had this these funds for since 2020 since 2012, so this is a great um, addition to our, our programs. And the other million dollars will go into owner occupied rehabilitation initiatives. So uh, our home ownership staff is actively engaged in satisfying the preconditions set forth by the state over the next couple months with the objective of securing the availability by the summer of 24. The award demonstrates the robustness of our proposal and the pressing demand for home ownership assistance in Marin County. And then I also, in, our, in, our, in your board packet, we have included a newsletter for the December for Golden Gate Village. So you'll see a little more information that's happening in the community. And then that concludes my report. Good report. Kimberly, could you repeat that the dollar figure associated with the homeowner assistance and the... Uh... Yes, it's, it's 2,256,000 million. I'm sorry, it's 2 million, 2.2 million. Uh, questions from anyone? Okay, great report. Uh, I'll open now for public comment on the report. If there's anyone who'd like to 
Get the comment on this. When you anticipate uh, the MHA board will make a decision about the developer um, when it was a year ago, it ju yeah, just about a year ago, when uh, this board adopted a framework for revitalization, we had a timeline that has now been extended, 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 all for good reasons, but I, I strongly feel like the uh, extensions need to be stopped and we need to start doing work. This is going to be an enormous job, task. It's going to take a lot of money, a lot of time, so we really need to get going. So I'd like to know when you anticipate the board will vote on this and then we'll start. To see if there's any other public comment on the executive director report and then we'll go online. Brown, West Marin. I just wanted to say how helpful it's been to have the staff report in the minutes, and I noticed it wasn't, I mean, in the agenda, and so I hope that's not ending. Ann DeVero, um, um, Rosenfeld, I can remember for a minute, um, <laughs> Mill Valley. Um, I have talked to you a couple times about the budget for the pre-development costs and, and how those pre-development funds, what they are and how they're being used. And you haven't been able to give me any information and I'm just wondering when you can do that because they're being spent right now, right? Yeah, thank you. Um, that wasn't quite on the topic, but um, uh, why don't we have that as a follow-up item? Do you want to res respond to the public comment? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, online first. Yep, thank you, Mary. All right. The first speaker is Gail Bateson. Please unmute. Um, hi, um, thank you. Um, I'm from uh, West Marin and um, actually sat on the committee that helped pick the six residents who are now on the Endow Empowerment Fund Advisory Committee and um, was very uh, excited to hear um, Kimberly's comment that the um, awarding of the grants will be solely on the recommendations of this committee. Uh, my question is when I looked at the um, agreement that was proposed last February, and I'm not sure if it was signed, under number seven distributions, it says that the um, directors of MCF shall determine the distributions made from the assets of the fund with the advice of the designated advisors. The recommendations of the advisors are advisory only. And so I'm wondering if that language has been changed in the agreement to reflect what uh, Kimberly shared with us earlier today. Okay, thank you for that. Okay, uh, thank you. I uh, will bring it back now. Kimberly, there's things you'd like to can respond to right now or come back to us with. Sure. The, uh, I mean, we're anticipating to bring this topic of the development selective, our partner, the RFQ, to the subcommittee on the 6th of, of December in the hopes that we'll be able to bring a recommendation to the full board in, uh, on the 12th of December. So that, that is, that's, that's the, the plan there. Um, I think that with the, the pre-development loan is coming to your board also for approval in, um, in December. We haven't actually gotten the funds yet um, approved by the loan. We are putting out a monthly report that is online every month and we're, and we're asking people who are interested to let us know and we'll, we'll make sure we, we send that out to you directly, but we are, it, that, that report will show the, how the funds are spent from the pre-development dollars. Um, but we will be bringing that to your board next month for approval. Um, as far as the language of the MCF, um, I'm gonna have to look into that. It is everyone's intention though that the, the residents will be making the selections on how these funds are, are spent. And that is MCFs and the counties. Um, um, understanding. So I, I will definitely look into to what Gail is referring to with the agreement. Very good. All right. So uh, thank you for that. We will move now to item 15D, the Housing Choice Voucher Program, quarterly progress and productivity report. 
So this is Suzanne Joyce, our Housing Choice Voucher Pro Program Manager. And this is an information-only topic. If we wanted to just give an update on where we are with the, the Housing Choice Voucher Program. Sorry, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, so I'm going to present um, our housing choice voucher quarterly program, and I wanted to start with our two lease-ups for South Elysio and Vivalon. And I'm happy to announce that South Elysio was completely 100% leased up by November 7th, which was their deadline. And we were, were super excited about it. And, um, my staff worked really uh, hard and in a good conjunction with the team that leased everybody out. Um, as of today, we are at Vivalon. We have 51 units that have been moved in. Our goal is to have the 65 units completed by Thursday. So we're, yes, very exciting about that. Um, we're also, we have talked about this before, but we are doing a landlord appreciation, appreciation training event next Wednesday on December 6th from 2 to 5. Um, we did send out an email blast to 416 of our current landlords. And in this um, training event, we are going to have, um, do a landlord portal training and a little presentation for the landlords um, and also that we're going to have um, a training from three to five from fair housing will come in and, and talk about some fair housing issues and um, so we're really super excited about that we also send you have been given a postcard we, we sent out a postcard to our previous landlords um, there was 416 and they got this postcard and we will be able to track them if they do come in, if they call us or if they sign up on our website because we will have to start reissue um, their, you know, new contracts, so to speak. Um, and we can, so we'll have a tracking system going for previous landlords. Um, <clears throat> so at the end of the third quarter, at the end of September, we, um, we had a total of 2,133 vouchers, which were under a lease or under a HAP contract. Um, we also, so we had, out of those, we also had mainstream vouchers. We have a total of 207, and we had 191 uh, leased mainstream vouchers, and then a total of um, 256 project vouchers. Um, when we also, I wanted to give you some update on the RBRA program. As of today, we have received 13 pre-applications and three applicants have moved in. Can you just pull it up? Oh yes, I'm sorry. So the RBRA is the Richardson Bay Regional Agency for um, the um, for the applicants that had votes that needed to be having a, a way to move in with, with vouchers or assistance. Um, I also wanted to let you know that I have some percentages because sometimes it takes people get frustrated with um, time when they're from the time they get the vouchers and they move in. We actually have 59% of vouchers that are being issued are actually moved in and had have contracts signed within 30 days. We have about 23% that signed within 30 to 60 days, 9% 60 to 90 days, 5% 90 to 120 days. So, and this is increasing. Um, every month is, is getting um, better. Uh, we also hired a new housing eligibility worker. She started in October. And she is assisting with the intakes for the RBRA program as well as all the project-based vouchers. 
and you have received the report, the quarterly report. Um, we had a total of 13 new vouchers between HCV, mainstream, and EHV. Um, we had 23 move-ins. This is besides the project base with South Liceo and Vivalon. Um, a total of 378 annual re-exams, and we had 33 transfers between this time from July 1st through September 30th. Um, 453 inspections annual and re-inspections as well as we had 73 initial inspections. And then we had a total of 15 end of participants during this time. And this will conclude my report. Thank you, Suzanne. Um, any questions on, from the board? <coughs> yes, please. Uh, just a quick one. The, uh, the 50 vouchers that we have for individuals through coordinated entry and that uh, agreement arrangement we have, can you help me understand a little bit of how that, how that process exactly works on an annual basis, or is it just a rolling list of names that are coming from Health and Human Services for those so it depends on how many vouchers we have available, but we do get the referrals from the coordinated entry, and we process them as we have vouchers. As you have vouchers yes, available. exactly. Um, and I imagine And I think here today we have a total of 28 that has been given out. I would have to, to double check that. I don't have the number in front of me. You know, I, I, um, the 50 set aside allows the coordinated entry to put 50 names on our, on our wait list yeah. every year. So that is every year. So it'll start, the clock will start again in January of putting 50 names. That doesn't mean we always can pull 50 off. It depends on what kind of funding we have. And I believe it sounds like we've pulled 28, 28 off yeah. of those 50 this year. Gotcha. So is it, is it around this time of year or the beginning of next year that that list would be updated so you have a list to pull from as the vouchers become available? Yes, they'll, it, it, it happens throughout the year, so the coordinated entry will make referrals to us as they have case management services to wrap around those clients. So there has to be the two pieces together. The voucher has to be available, plus the service, the service component will have to be there as well. Gotcha. So that's sometimes where the referrals aren't made to us because there isn't the case management available at that time. Okay, great. Thank you. Let me. I'm sorry. Uh, we're working with the um, with the Health and Human Service Department to create some kind of a dashboard that will be more available on all of these numbers of, of all these uh, vouchers. That and so we'll hope to have that out in next year. Thank you. Uh, th thank you so much. I really appreciate um, this report and and this tracking on it and the work that you're doing. And I love um, even 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 the tracking on how long it's taking uh, for vouchers to get, to for folks to find leases and land them and get leased up. I just think that's really good um, as a measure of the, how the housing authority is doing and also just for self-awareness in terms of the organization's part um, as to where you need to put efforts. Um, on the new vouchers issued, just to clarify for me, are those new vouchers to our programs or are they vouchers that are just that are becoming available um, through you know whatever for whatever reason there's turnover uh, those are new programs I mean new, new vouchers so entering the system so yes. they are add-ons to our total so yes. we have a total num we have a, a sum total of HCV housing choice vouchers and between July 1st and September 30th we added three to that count yeah. okay all right, just wanting to understand that. Um, and then um, thank you so much for the work to get, working with our housing partners to get those um, Alicio and um, Vivalon um, uh, folks leased up and, and situated, because it, it's two parts. It's one, getting the, the buildings and the units ready, and then it's all the paperwork and matching you know, the right person to the unit and, and the work of the housing authority. So I really appreciate that. Over 100 people. Uh, in homes um, who have been housing insecure probably for quite a while. Thanks. So, 
when you initially get your voucher, they, they initially get 60 days, right? That's correct. <clears throat> so then what, can you just briefly explain what's the process after that first 60 days of how they extend that time if they can't find a place? So they, uh, they have to fill out a voucher extension request form. And then as soon as we receive that, we do extend, we give it another 60 days, so 120. And then it goes up from 120 and we give, get up to 180. Days. You have the cutoff at 180. Yes. If they can't find one at 180, what's the process then? We can actually, um, if they request a, if they fill out a reasonable accommodation, depending on how the situation, we can extend it up to uh, from 100 to 230 days. Yeah. Try to work with them to try to find. Yes. And usually at that point, we do have, we try to get our providers, our housing locators to help assist. Okay. But sometimes prior to that actually too. Is there a system where people might lose a voucher if they can't find a place within that time or have you been pretty successful? We've been pretty successful. It's very, very uncommon that they lose the voucher because they can't find housing. Yeah. And then 28 out of the 50 vouchers, does that mean that's how much th that the money ran out for to do more than 28? It's what's been, uh, we have 28 vouchers that are on the wait list. Some of them have been issued vouchers. Some of them are, are still waiting. Money for it or the money's going for We still have money, year. yes. Yeah. yeah. And so how long does that process usually take? It all depends on the intake. Um, you know, we do send out, it, they get a work, work intake document. And then um, most of them have case managers, so they get assistance. So usually between a week to two. And then once it's complete, we do start the intake. And if there's anything missing, it could be go faster than that too. Appreciate that. All right. With that, thank you again, Suzanne, for thank the information. You. Move on now to item number five F. Excuse me. Yeah, no, five E. Uh, well, I wasn't going to, but okay, sure, Mary, go ahead. Just a couple of questions um, to follow up on the question of new vouchers. Um, I was under the impression that HUD gives a set number of vouchers to the county. So are these new additional vouchers coming from HUD? No, these aren't. And I think that was a little, it's not clear. Yeah, um, these are attrition and turnover vouchers. We did get new vouchers of the mainstream and the emergency housing vouchers, but um, they're not new since July. We Thank you. And then my only other question is, as I had asked at the last quarterly report, and I'm so glad you're giving these quarterly reports because it's, it's very hard to understand the process sometimes and to actually track whether something good is happening or we're backsliding. So my question once again is, how is MHA using the voucher program to mitigate the long-standing patterns of housing segregation in the county. And um, I'd like to know um, if the question that pops into my mind under that general question is, these folks who take such a long time to find housing with their vouchers, why? Is it something about them? Is it something about the process? Is it something about the availability of where they want to be and can't find something. I would just like to hear a, a deeper dive into why why some people can't find a place to live um, in the you know within the sixty days. Thanks. Uh, okay, and you know to that perhaps when this comes back next time we can answer those questions and also provide a cover memo that just describes the different kinds of vouchers and all that just to make a little package out of the whole thing. I think that would be great. Um, so thank you for that public comment. Uh, we'll go online now to see if there's any other public comment. President Mo Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, very good. So uh, now let's move on to item 15, contract between the Marin Housing Authority and the County of Marin uh, Health and Human Services for Shelter Plus Care Program. 
and it sounds like we're going to get an update on what that program is and then the contract itself. Is that right? Yes. So I've asked um, Samantha Gazowski, who's our Director of Supportive Services, to help us um, with these two items. Both um, item E and F are really very similar, so but we'll go over both of those. Okay, Samantha. Thank you. Um, both of these items are related to the Shelter Plus Care program and the different um, services that we provide within this program. Um, our Shelter Plus Care program has been around for over 20 plus, 20 plus years, serving uh, chronically homeless individuals with mental health disorders, um, often co-occurring with substance use disorder, um, and providing case management services. Um, a really important component of that is meeting people where they are. So our case managers are often in the field, meeting with clients in their homes, uh, meeting with clients in the community, and working with other super, uh, supportive services that they might have. Um, we have four case managers, full-time case managers. We also have a clinical director, um, Dr. Aaron Testa, and one peer support specialist who's in-kind through a different agency um, that provides additional services to, to our folks. Um, in the last contract year, we served 95 clients. We enrolled five new clients um, and housed those five new clients as well. And this contract specifically has a few different service components. It provides um, case or services to support clients with housing retention and preventing the loss of housing through ongoing work and efforts um, with landlords and ensuring that they, the clients are in compliance with HUD requirements, such as their annual recertifications and inspections. We really work um, directly with uh, our participants to make sure that they're on time, that they're getting all the documents that they need. Oftentimes, um, they, they really need that additional level of support. Um, this also includes uh, our collaboration with BHRS case managers, uh, case management teams, and other service providers that are working with our participants, as well as support for clients that are tempor temporarily out of their homes, but do do will hopefully be returning, um, or who have fallen out of housing but are working towards goals of being rehoused. Um, and those are the main scopes and objectives of this contract in particular. So we're asking to ratify, correct? We're um, questions on the board? I just have one. Samantha, I think we talked about um, the possibility of adding a second peer support counselor from another, if we can find funding in the future. Is that still something on your radar screen? For this, for the Shelter Plus Care program in particular? Uh, I think, I, you know, I've lost track a little bit, but I, but I know that we, we need more support in, in our supportive housing. Mm -hmm. arrangements um, I don't know that we have any plans to add another peer support specialist she does have uh, full-time work specifically with our team um, the county program <coughs> there's only so many that they have and we actually have a dedicated um, individual that provides uh, full-time support maybe I should ask a different question okay. as to what her case is or her caseload um, so she has Actually, she can work with any of our clients that need additional support. She has about 10 to 15 folks that she um, sees more regularly, but she is open to providing the support for case management. Thank you for that. Uh, any comments to my right on the board? No, any public comment on this item? Not seeing any in the chambers. Is there any online? President Mo Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. All right, we'll bring it back then for a motion, uh, if we could. To I'm happy to ratif recommend ratifying the um, executive director's execution of the contract. All right, we have a motion by Sackett, a second by Rice. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All right, 15F is the related item. Samantha? So this was um, this contract was also approved by the Board of Supervisors back in September, and it is for the mental health um, case management component provided to the Shelter Plus Care participants, and this allows us to assist between 85 and 100, again, formerly homeless participants or new enrollees, and this provides the mental health services as well as supporting those clients who are searching for housing in the Shelter Plus Care program. 
Um, so these are just a kind of a different scope of services that are, um, are reimbursed through the county. Public comment on this item. I'm not seeing any, any online? There are no speakers in the queue. Okay, we'll bring it back for a motion to approve. And I'll move this item. Lucan, all in favor? Aye. Aye. 15G is the addendum to contract with CDA for Marin Housing Authority's Landlord Partnership Program through September 30th, 2025. Yes, and um, this is this is a great program that we're we've done since 2016, and we're really excited to that uh, we're going to be refunded again for another two years. I do want to let you know I found out um, that the uh, it, this this is what we're asking for today is a grant for $350,000 for two years. Uh, it was supposed to be 450, so we are going to um, we'll be bringing back by the in probably January another $100,000 for this program. Um, which would be the same funding we've got two years ago. So there was a, a clerical on here. And um, so we're excited to actually have 450, but today we're going to be asking you to ratify a contract for $350,000. And I've asked Samantha again to provide just a, a quick um, report on how we have used this money over the last two years and how it has really impacted the folks that um, positively impacted the, this program, the Housing Choice Voucher Program, it's helped us find new landlords, retain landlords, uh, really make it seamless for some of our residents and participants to quickly get housed by having the ability to have deposit, and in some cases, we've paid vacancy losses to landlords or d um, damages in very few cases. So I'm gonna let Samantha share a little more on the report. Yeah, so this program has really, really assisted us in um, increasing our ability to utilize our vouchers um, that Suzanne was talking about early in her report. Um, without our support of our landlords, it's really hard to house people. And um, within, since January of 2022, we have um, brought on 99 new landlords um, into the program, the uh, Housing Choice Voucher Program, as well as other voucher programs. And that is a big part um, due to these funds. It provides security deposit assistance. It provides vacancy loss as well as um, some damage mitigation funds. And landlords really see this as um, an incentive to, to work with the people that we serve. And it provides the ability for, you know, really all of our new voucher holders to get that assistance, whereas before security deposits were difficult to um, obtain. We would have to go through different community-based organizations if they had the funding. But this allows not only for the utilization, but also the, um, the speed in which somebody can be housed as well, because they don't have to worry about finding $3,000, $4,000 in the security deposit. Um, so we, since January of 2022, there were 173 new voucher holders within both Housing Choice Voucher and the VASH vouchers. So this was um, able to assist many of those individuals. And, um, uh, and this also helps um, in addition to the other, you know, emergency housing vouchers and mainstream vouchers kind of come with some of these funds already. And so this really provides uh, everyone to be able to have, have that ability to get the security deposits. Can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. Maybe this is for Kimberly, because um, it's a little bit wider in scope. Um, do you know anecdotally how many other housing authorities are doing similar programs and were maybe inspired by ours? Uh, we've inspired many housing authorities and we're all getting calls all across the country for people to talk about our programs. It's so much that actually HUD's created um, uh, the ability to use some administrative dollars in this way, which they never really wow. did before. So it's kind of moved the dial really in a big way. So this was huge. Yeah. And I will say when, you know, we're attending different HUD-related events or housing events in the community, um, this is always a topic. It's always a seminar. It's always a session on how to bring in new landlords. And, and these funds really are the key component to that. And I suspect that those um, percentages that were quoted earlier on how 
quickly or slowly folks are actually landing, you know, be able to place their voucher and get leased up, have been positively affected by this program. In years gone by, people were walking around with vouchers for half a year and more, many, many folks. Yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to. I will say, you know, as a former case manager as well, helping people get housed, the process and going through some of the other um, programs to access funds is really, really cumbersome. And so this is, you know, again, one of those ways to get security deposits into the hands of landlords very quickly, whereas if they're waiting a long time, they might lease to somebody else. And I want to give a plug because our accounting staff, finance staff, is tremendous on getting these turned around really quickly so that we can be really competitive in a hard rental market with our participants to be able to get security deposits out right away. And prior to this program, we did have a lot of people who would leave Marin County because they couldn't find places, and that was really the, the reason why um, Commissioner Connolly at the time really helped push that envelope for us and to so that we could keep these vouchers here, keep people housed here, and, and it's really made a huge difference than people having to go to four, three or four different agencies to get a couple hundred dollars to scramble together a deposit. So this, is, this has been a huge game changer. Thank you. Great. Any other questions or comments? Mary? Yeah. Okay, great. Sarah, we'll get you after Mary. Um, are the dollars, do you have a sense, just kind of broad strokes of, are the dollars used for the down payments? Are you also using a lot of the dollars for rehabilitation, kind of those, you know, kind of what the perception is that, that, you, that a lot of money is going to be needed to rehab units that are damaged versus um, is it the down payments or is there a proportion of I how can, these dollars are spent? I can get you more specific percentages, but the majority of the fund, the chunk of the funds are used for security deposits. Um, we do have some funds for the vacancy loss, like I said. So if someone moves out of their unit and the landlord is willing to rent to another uh, housing choice voucher participant or other voucher holder, we can give them that vacancy loss in between while um, they're going through the process of, of screening applicants and then going through our process of inspection and such. Um, so the, the majority of the funds are definitely for secure. We are using those for security deposits, but we have maxed out the budget for um, both uh, vacancy loss and damages. Great, thank you. Vacancy loss means you're paying the rent while you put somebody, let somebody else in there? The time that it takes between, yeah, someone moving out and then a, a new voucher holder moving in. So it's it's making sure that that Confirmation that they're going to put a new voucher. Correct, yes. And our, and our housing locators are heavily involved in that relationship with the owners um, and as they're working with uh, new individuals that are getting vouchers, they can assist with kind of that matching. Okay, my other question is, is you're saying that um, this is actually, you had a decrease in funding, actually $100,000 decrease in funding? Yes, so it sounds, this is, <laughs> you see, <he's> <laughs> yes, that, um, it was a clerical error, apparently. Um, oh. It is going to be 450, <laughs> so it will be the same amount of money, um, but we will bring back an amendment to this contract early next year. I just wanted to make sure I said it for the record. Right, right, right. It will happen. So have you actually, so do you actually have a set amount of deposits? Like is it, is there a $2,000? Um, it, it was up to two months of rent. Um, there is an, a new law taking effect in January that the maximum will be one month of rent. So we will. Oh, that landlords can charge, whether it's one month or. Okay, gotcha. All right, thank you for that presentation. And, and I would just add in closing that I think uh, the information that uh, Mary had asked for about the breakdown about how money gets spent would be helpful just because I think it would be illustrative of really what what is the use of the funds and, and what isn't uh, too. So We did utilize all of the funds from the last period yeah, as well. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah. But my <laughs> sense is you're using it for security deposits and not so much damages, which is always the big scary thing is will a unit get damaged? And if you're not using funds for a lot of that, that's a good news story. So 
anyway, thank you for that, and I think with one, one yeah, one. okay, please. Um, I know when we talked about this before, we had we had uh, had some conversations around the hotline or a phone number or a dedicated resource for landlords that are either interested in the program or currently in the program. I don't know if we got a chance to evaluate that and what might be the outcome of that. Not yet. We'll bring you an answer in next meeting. Okay, okay. perfect. I will. Um, we did public comment. Yes. Did I? I can't remember. Is there any public comment on this? I'm not seeing any online. Uh, is there a motion to um, renew the contract? Move to renew the contract. Oh. We do have a speaker online. Thank you. Eva, please unmute. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to point out that um, something was said that I think just needed to be clarified um, about vouchers. Uh, Katie Rice had said that there was an issue with vouchers not being used um, for up to six months. And I wanted to provide a little reality check because uh, Jimmy Sanders died with an expired voucher. Um, that was supposed to be used for housing. He was supposed to be able to use it. Uh, he was a military veteran. He died on the streets of Marin County um, on July 29, 2023. And I think that the county is engaged in quite a bit of sleight of hand when they, when they roll out these numbers. Um, it, it, should not, it should be taken with a grain of salt uh, how this is actually going down. And I understand that some vouchers are different than others, uh, but I would caution uh, the supervisors to make sure that they're not uh, sugarcoating uh, what a failure uh, this has been for so many people. Uh, and I would also point out that Jimmy Sanders would never have been uh, homeless if law enforcement had not improperly seized his uh, RV, which he was, he was living in, uh, and he was, in fact, uh, disabled as a result of, um, of injuries he sustained um, during his service. So I, I just, you know, I wish you guys would be a little more honest um, about what's going on with vouchers overall. Thank you. Question of there are no additional speakers in the queue. All right, we'll bring it back uh, for a motion, please, to ratify the executive director's execution of the contract. I'll make the motion. Thank you. Motion by Rice, second by Canson. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. Okay, public comment on any remaining items that we didn't address today. Is there anyone who would like to make a comment? All right, I'm not seeing anyone in the chambers. Is there anyone online? There are no speakers in the queue. Very good. That brings us to the end of the Marin Housing Authority. Board of Commissioners meeting, and we are now going to convene as the Marin County Open Space District Board of Commissioners. Thank you, Kimberly, to you and your staff. Thank you.